That's my goal. All right, look at uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege it is to be here. Thank you for all the folks that made the effort to come out tonight. And God, I ask you to bless them for it. I pray you'd change their lives. I pray you'd give them something that'll help them out. Speak to our hearts now, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Notice, first of all, Paul doesn't get three words in without calling himself a servant. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Before he launches into all his credentials, the first thing he recognizes himself as is a servant. You know what I think is missing from churches nowadays? Go to Philippians chapter 2. You know what's missing from churches nowadays? Christians don't see themselves as a servant. They walk into church and it's like, it's all about me. What's this church have to offer me? A lot of times it's, what can I do? Here, let me translate that for you. What position do I get that makes me look important? Well, that wasn't Paul's attitude at all. Paul saw himself as a servant to Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Look at your Savior. I'll start in verse 5. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was the mind? Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus Christ wasn't taking something that wasn't his when he said he was equal with God. Now watch it. But made himself of no reputation... And took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's your Savior. Well, isn't, I mean, isn't everybody going to tell you, what's church about? Oh, it's about Jesus, you know. It's about Jesus. Okay, so what's the point? Why do we come to church to learn about Jesus? So we can be more like him. Okay, so what does that mean? Are you sure you really want to be like Jesus Christ? He had every right there was to stay in the third heaven and continue to be God. He was one with God. You understand that, don't you? People say, I don't understand the Trinity. Well, neither do I. How can you understand something that created you? It makes a whole lot more sense than anything else you would come up with. I mean, it makes a whole lot more sense than a Big Bang. I believe, personally, it takes more faith to believe in a Big Bang than it takes to believe in a Creator. Everything you see, it's scientific. Everything you see around you has to be created. And if you don't touch it, don't mess with it, it falls apart. It doesn't get better. Nothing gets better. Anybody got kids in the room? Okay, does your house get better with time when you got kids running around? <laughs> Absolutely not. What do you have to do? You've got to constantly be fixing up. Everything deteriorates. I'm talking science right now. I'm not even talking Bible. I'm talking common sense and science. Didn't God say in the Old Testament, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord? So there's a lot more biblical or or scientific sense to follow in the Bible than anything else in the world. It makes more scientific sense. But beyond that, it still is by faith. You never saw God, have you? It's faith. 
I just think it takes less faith than anything else you're going to believe in. So I don't understand the Trinity. Well, good. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm glad there's some things I don't fully understand. You know why? Because if I understood it all, I'd be God. It's nice for me to get up here and say, when I, like I did Sunday morning, okay, now look at those next couple verses. Not sure what they mean. Haven't heard anybody explain them well. Here's my guess at a couple things it could be. Well, I mean, if I knew it all, then I'd have been the one that wrote it. Or the one that wrote it wasn't much smarter than me. I believe that God knows a lot of things he ain't telling us. Here's the thing. You're made in his image whether you like it or not. You've got a body, a soul, and a spirit. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God made man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. You're made in his image. So what happened? God the Father is sitting in heaven, and the Son's there, and the Spirit's there, and he sends forth a piece of himself down here into the earth, and he's made in the like he humbles himself and submits himself to his Father. That's a wild thing, ain't it? It's miraculous, really. Ain't it? Yes, sir. Well, it's kind of half a miracle. It's half a miracle because he was born of a virgin. Nothing miraculous about a baby being in a woman's womb. Well, it is really miraculous, but it's normal. We're all used to it, aren't we? And that how everybody in the room got here? If you didn't get here that way, please don't tell us because we don't want to know about all the little green men and all the rest of what's going on, okay? Just let us be ignorant, you know, happy in our ignorance. But most people, human people, got here through a woman's womb. That's 50% of a miracle. Could you imagine standing before God someday and saying, well, I didn't believe you. Why? Because I'm a person of science, not faith. And then God says, well, what do you mean? Well, I had never seen you before, and I just couldn't imagine how you three could be one, and one piece of you came down and became a man and lived the perfect life in our place and died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. I mean, all that stuff just seemed way too far-fetched. And then God says, okay, so what did you believe? Well, a big bang occurred. Well, where'd that come from? Well, I, I don't know, but the suggestion is, well, what? you're going to swallow your tongue before he casts you in the lake of fire for eternity is what you're going to do. So what did he do? He came out and humbled himself. He's a servant. That's what Jesus Christ is, a servant. Folks, realize that if he wanted to, he could have exploded the earth just by his word. The Bible tells you that the worlds were framed by the Word of God and that they consist by the Word of God. In other words, if the Bible wasn't true, the world would explode like a nuclear bomb hit it from outer space. That's how much power he had in him. And what he did is he come down and washed people's feet. He met the woman at the well and said, go get your husband. She said, I don't know. He said, yeah, the one you have now isn't your husband. She goes back into town and says, come see a man that told me all things whatsoever I did. Is not this the Christ? He knew everything about her. And when nobody else wanted anything to do with her, he was getting her a drink of water and willing to sit down on a well and talk to a wicked woman nobody else would have anything to do with in the daytime. That was God made flesh. He's spending time with the leprous people. You guys see there's some leprosy breaking out down there in Florida or something? Do you guys see that? Do you guys see, did you read how it spread? One of the ways leprosy spread? Through the saliva, through saliva droplets. You know what's wild about that? Do you know in the Old Testament when they had leprosy what they had to do? They were told to cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean, so people would get out of the way. They're not within the range of that thing spreading. God told them to cover their mouth. You guys realize they didn't have the scientific ability back then to figure out it spread by saliva droplets, don't you? 
But God said they're to cover their mouth out when that God knows some things. You and I, that's why, I'm, folks, we believe the Bible not because we're stupid and uneducated. We believe the Bible because God showed us his fingerprints all over that thing. That's a wild thing to me. While everybody else is running from the lepers, leprous ones, Jesus is healing them. He wore himself out taking care of everybody else. He was a servant. I, I, can't, I, can't just, I, I can't imagine going sleepless nights, trying to get away so he can get a break, and then they're just, they're just rushing him, and then he's like, okay, you guys go on. I'm going to take care of what I've got to take care of. I mean, he wore himself out for you and me. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He's a servant. Paul's following Jesus Christ. Paul said, I, I know what to see myself as. I don't see myself as being important. I know we got visitors here tonight, but I'm going to just step on everybody's toes anyways, okay? I'll just be myself. Is that all right? They might as well know what they're getting into when they come, right? If you saw yourself as a servant, you wouldn't get all offended because pastor didn't shake my hand. Nobody at that church is nice to me. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. None of, them, none of you have said that to me. I just grabbed it because nobody said nothing to me about that. Just before you do, you know. Look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. It ain't about me. It ain't about you. And ourselves, you're what? You're servants for Jesus' sake. You know what you and I ought to see ourselves as? A servant. You know, one of the things I like about this church, and I, now I'm gonna, I just stepped on your toes, so now I'll be nice to you. One of the things I like about this church, I sign my, my kids up, my wife, myself, my kids, my family. I do it with them most of the time for the cleaning schedule. Deacons are like, no, 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 you're the pastor. And I'm like, no, no. I, I get to preach to them. I should have to clean their toilets once in a while. My kids get to sing to them. My kids should clean your toilets once in a while. Right? Why? Because it's good for my kids' character. That's why. You know what's nice? I only have to clean the church like once every three months or something like that because everybody's like, I get on the list. I get on the list. People join the church and they're like, hey, preacher, can I get on the cleaning list? You know what? That, do you know how much of a blessing that is to me? I think that's a big part of why this church is a happy church. I think it's a big part of why God blesses you and blesses us and takes care of us and is providing for us to put on an addition and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, if you got everybody wants to be a chief and, you know, and nobody wants to be an Indian, what's going to happen to a ministry like that? You know what it's going to do? They're going to bite and devour one another. It's going to be a big competition over who gets the platform and all that stuff. That ain't what it's about. I think everybody that's called to preach should first start in a nursing home in a street corner. See if you're really called to preach. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm not making fun of old people right now, but I'm telling you, it, the nursing homes going how a lot of your Sunday mornings are going to feel. <laughs> While you're up there waxing eloquent, prayed up, and on fire, I ain't trying to let it rip for Jesus. They're like, <laughs> we want music. <laughs> it's good medicine for you. It checks you out to see whether or not you're really a servant of Jesus Christ or you're trying to be a big shot. I'm so sick of big shots. Listen to me. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I think we need more servants in church. All right, a great place to back to Romans chapter 1. A great place to start being a servant is at home. Hello? 
You, you parents ought to be teaching your kids. Why, well, if your kids are old enough to clean their own room, why are you working all day? Because nowadays most families, both of them have to work to make ends meet. Why are you working all day, coming home and then having to fight with them over their homework, and on top of that you're picking up their room after them? I'm not at your house. I don't care. I'm not coming to your house. I'm not getting on you. It's your business. I'm just preaching at you right now. Teach them to be a servant, and it starts at home. Well, I don't want to clean my room. Great. Since you backtalk me, you can do the dishes when you're done, brat. Why? Why? Well, I mean, it's a family, ain't it? Don't we all pull our weight? You should do your part. You men should learn to serve your wife. I'll tell you a great way to do it. You guys are going to hate me now. How come no men came back to church on Sunday? Here's a great way to do it. You know what hit me a long time ago? It hit me a long time ago. I'm still working on it. You can ask my wife. I can't look at her right now because I'm under conviction. <laughs> she knows what I'm about to say. Hand her the remote. Oh, oh, I know. It hurt me too. I'm watching this Hallmark stuff or whatever. It's just terrible. We always watch what I want to watch. You ever notice that, guys? Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Ladies, your husband might die of a heart attack if you just found something nice to say to him. You know, men want respect more than anything. Did you hear me? I hope you all heard me. I'm telling you something about men and the way they're wired. They, they more than anything, a man wants to be respected. Man, it's getting real quiet. We need to move on. Talking about being a servant. You can be a servant at home. You can be a servant at church. You want God to bless you. You want to find out what God, some of you guys are called to preach. You want to find out what God wants you to do and where God's going to take you and what mission field. You know what? I don't think he's going to show you anything until you're willing to wipe the toilets at church. You want to preach to him, but you don't want to, oh, I get, so I'm a germaphobe. Well, we got gloves for you. Grow up. You'll live. Wipe the toilets before you get up and tell everybody what they need to do with their life. Amen. That's good preaching. No, no, even if you don't like me, but you can be a servant at work. We're talking about being a Christian. We're talking about how the Apostle Paul, probably the greatest Christian since Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the greatest Christian to walk the planet, the Apostle Paul said, I'm just a servant. That's all I am. I don't see myself as too good for anything. I'm telling you, one of the, one of the number one things that's overlooked in church, ladies, is that nursery. I'm telling you, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it, your sacrifice, because, it, I mean, Deb, how many women do we have that work the nursery? Do you know off the top of your head? Ballpark, right now. 19 women work the nursery. Wow. Out of 19 women, I'll bet you there's two that love it. <laughs> nothing, nothing against you ladies, but you're, diff- you're definitely different, okay? God bless you, you got a gift. Not everybody has that gift. We've had women that step in and step in and step in and step in and step in to the point that they're hardly even in church anymore. You know, I think one of the number one ways to show the Lord you're willing to be a servant is for you to just say, you know what, my brats aren't in there, but I'll sign up. Even if you sign up one time a month, once, if you say, I'm willing to do one a month, do you know that that takes a lot of pressure off of other people? You're actually serving Jesus Christ and serving each other to do that. What we try to do around here is make sure nobody's missing all the services. What you're doing is you're helping somebody else sit in church and get preached to. 
and then you're taking your turn, and then you're out of there. You get released from prison, and you get out on good behavior, and then you get to you know, go back and do some more time later. But for now, you're helping each other. You're serving, you're serving one another, and other people in church appreciate seeing your name on that list. See, I'm talking about being a servant. That's what Paul was. But on top of that, he wasn't just a servant. He was called to be an apostle. You see that? Now, now i got to make this point tonight. Now, we're not going to get very far, but i, I got to make this point tonight. Uh, it's very important for you to understand this. And uh, go with me, if you would, to uh, let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Your apostle, you Gentiles, you church-age people, right now, in this day and this time, your apostle is the apostle Paul. You have to understand that, and here's why. Bear with me for a second for those of you that this is repetition. Do you see this Bible? I see it, right? Yes, sir. You know all this back here was, was written to somebody that's not you? Do you, do you go get yourself a lamb and bring it in here on Sunday and slit its throat at the altar? No. Why not? not? Not written to you, is it? You, you know what? Somebody was commanded to do that. I can take a Bible verse, open up my Bible, and show you from the Bible that you've got to slit a lamb's throat in order to get your sins remitted. It's in the Bible. Here's the misconception. Most everybody says, oh, that's Old Testament. We're in the New Here's what you don't understand. Do you realize that in the New Testament, when you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke specifically, Jesus Christ hadn't died on the cross yet. He's going around preaching the kingdom of heaven. He's preaching to Israel. He looked at a Jew, a Gentile woman, and said, it's not me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. He called her a Gentile dog. And she said, yeah, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he was like, man, I haven't found faith like that. No, not in Israel. And because of her faith, he made an exception for her. He came unto his own. He was coming to the Jews. So there's parts of the New Testament that isn't written to the church. Now, I'm going to show you in a minute. Actually, they had no idea the church was coming. Here's the problem. What's coming in the future is called the Great Tribulation. All right? Time coming on the earth of great tribulation. And then after that seven-year period is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ where he reigns on this earth, the one you're on right now, for a thousand years before he burns it up and brings down the new heaven and the new earth and reigns on that for eternity. That's eternity future. Do you know that when you take this part of your Bible right here, these were books not written by the Apostle Paul. These are written to the Jew in the tribulation period where they figure out how they make it through the tribulation period. They're told that they can't receive the mark because if they receive the mark, they'll lose their salvation. Do you know a lot of Christians nowadays in churches think that they can lose their salvation? You know, when COVID was going on, I had people freaking out calling me. Thank God most of them, and I'm almost positive all of them, weren't from my church. But freaking out calling me, what about this vaccine? To vax or not to vax? That is the question, you know. Are they receiving the mark? It alters your DNA. And did you get the mark? And is this the mark? Did I lose my salvation? And like, would you breathe, please? Relax for a second. It's not possible if you're born again. It's not possible for you to receive the mark. According to the Bible. 
Because if you're saved, you're getting called out of here before the great tribulation hits and the mark comes into play. You know, they did that back in the day when people started getting social security numbers. Everybody's freaking out. Now we got a number. It's a number. The number of a man. It's our number. This is the mark of the beast. And then credit cards. And it's like the madness never stops. Now they're doing it with vaccinations. Like, I don't care if you got COVID vaccined or not. I don't care if you're boosted or ain't boosted. Don't matter to me. That ain't what this church is about. If you're paranoid about that stuff, wear a mask or go home. You know, I don't know what to tell you. But that's nobody's business. Don't share it with anybody. Don't talk about it. Don't worry about it. It has nothing to do with your soul. We're here for your soul. That's what we're worried about when we come to church. We're worried about something bigger than this life. So if you don't understand where to get your doctrine from, then the Bible doesn't make any sense to you. And somebody comes along and says, look, if you turn and tread underfoot the Son of God and count the blood of the covenant where you're sanctified and unholy, done despite unto the Spirit of grace, there's no more sacrifice for sins. He's talking to the Hebrews. You ain't a Hebrew. In the tribulation period. And then you keep on going through the book of Revelation. You got the tribulation period explained like we're talking about on Sunday night. And then you got the millennial kingdom, a thousand years where babies are being born in the millennium. You know what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to figure out from a Bible what they're supposed to do to be saved. It's all in that book in your lap. So Paul's your apostle. How do we know our doctrine's right? We don't lose our salvation and that we are saved and we know what salvation is and we know where we're going when we die. Well, other people use the Bible and your interpretation and their interpretation. You're not supposed to interpret it. You're supposed to read it. It's black and white. It says what it means and means what it says. When you know how to study the Bible, you are not going to be lost in figuring out where you're at in God's time frame. Paul is your apostle. Watch. I'll show you what I'm, what I'm talking about. You're in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 7. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Well, what's God done? We've already talked about it before. We'll look at it as we go through Revelation. God broke off the Jew, right? And he's bringing out a, a church out of the Gentiles right now. And he said, be, be careful, because if I spared not the natural branches, like we saw, what was it, Sunday night or something, which is Israel, the olive tree, be careful that I spare not you. If I broke them off, I'll break you off, Gentiles. And we're getting close to that happening, because the Gentiles are just about there. Just don't want God anymore. Don't want that Bible anymore. Get that out of my face. That's hate religion. That's a, it's just God's book. <laughs> Why do you got such a problem with it? Because it tells you you're wrong. That's what it is. And you just don't care about being right. You don't care about your eternal soul. You'll burn in hell forever because you'd rather have your sin. That's what the problem is. And it's sad, man. It's heartbreaking. Because not only does God take care of your eternity, but man, he changes your life. Ain't nothing like this life without, with God. And there ain't nothing like it without him. 2 Timothy chapter uh, uh, 1, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul's your apostle. He says, whereunto, 2 Timothy 1.11, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. See it? It's over and over again. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is Paul's calling. So we're all servants. But when it comes to your calling, we're not all the same. Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Paul is your apostle sent to you to teach you doctrine and perfect you and minister to you and edify you and build you up. So when it comes to your doctrine, you go to Paul. You don't go to Peter. Peter is to a Jew in the tribulation period. Do you know that Peter mostly lines up with Paul? But when you go over into Hebrews and you go into First and Second Peter, and especially Hebrews and James, you're going to find stuff that doesn't seem to match with Paul. And all the Bible corrects itself. No, it doesn't. You just got to know where to apply it in God's time frames. All right, go back over to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Look at the next thing he calls himself. He's an apostle. He's a servant. He's an apostle. So that's something God does. Your gifts and callings after you're saved are not up to you. Now, the Bible tells you to covet earnestly the best gifts. You should pray for some. And then he says after he tells you that, yet I show unto you a more perfect way. And he launches into charity. <laughs> oh, man, really? You mean the best gifts make me a servant? Ain't that wild? Oh, I'm, I wanted the gift to speak. I wanted the gift of music. I wanted the gift of, yeah, I know. The best gift you could have is to be charitable. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Called to be an apostle, notice this. Separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made, not born, your Bible should say made right there. I looked up at least a dozen other versions this afternoon. Every one of them said born. You know why? They're trying to make him human. He wasn't born of the seed of David. He was made of the seed of David. He got adopted into that. Guess why? Because what seed was Jesus Christ of? The Holy Spirit. So a King James Bible says, which was made of the seed of David. He was adopted into that as, as when men looked at him, that lineage came down. And then Joseph, like Luke tells you, as was supposed his father. When God wrote that book, he wrote it precisely. Ain't that wild? Which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Now, notice in verse 1, he separated unto something. Everybody, you get in these religious circles and they all want you separated. You ever notice that? They all obsess with the outside. They want to make sure that you dress a certain way and that you talk a certain way and you walk a certain way. You know, you got to drink the Kool-Aid to be a part of the club. Well, that ain't separation. I'm, I wear a suit when I preach because I'm old school. We ain't a contemporary kind of church where, you know, the preacher's going to be up here in skinny jeans and just giving you some kind of a smooth, slick talk. It's not happening. It makes a statement of where I stand. People know when they walk in here from the get, when they see hymn books and they see a, a preacher's in a suit, they're like, oh, here we go. Old-time religion. Put the guard up. <laughs> like, no, I'm not your enemy, but we're old school. We're just going to tell the truth because we don't believe that all that other stuff helps people. We want to help people that really want God. That's the thing. You understand that? That's what it's about. So we're not doing this because this makes us separated. It doesn't, I, I could wear this all day long and not be separated at all. Separation is not from the world. 
You know, nowadays you can be separated from the world and be what a hippie was in the 70s. <laughs> Just saying. You'd be considered a moral old man if you were a hippie from the 70s nowadays with what you got going on in the cultures you live in and where this thing is going. You don't gauge yourself by how far you are from the world. Forget the world, man. That's nothing. That means absolutely nothing. You're separated onto something. When you go towards the Lord, you go towards the gospel, separated onto the gospel. That's what God did with Paul. God said, I got a purpose for you from before he was born. God had a plan for Paul. That doesn't mean God enforced that plan. We'll get into that as we go through Romans. God didn't enforce the plan. God, what you can miss God's plan for your life by your choices. But God said, I know what I plan to do with him. Now, if he responds to me right when I show up on the road to Emmaus, when he sees and hears and knows the truth, if he'll hit a knee and accept the truth as he sees it, when he sees it and not reject it, then I'm going to do something with him special. And Paul did. He was separated from his mother's womb and called by God's grace. So God has something for you. I believe that. Whatever that is. But how do you get there? You get there by just following God. The right road leads out at the right place. It can't go anywhere else because it's the right road. He's separated under the gospel of God. Now, here's some verses I want you to see on that. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter number 1. Look at verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. As soon as he knew what God had for him, 100% sure of it, then he did what God wanted him to do. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Romans first, 2 Corinthians, then Galatians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want a separated church. I really do. I I believe in biblical separation. And that doesn't mean that you have to adhere to a dress code. I know some of the brethren hate me for that, but I could care less. It's the truth. I want you separated unto God. I want God to get your heart. And if you give your heart to God and you just start following Him one day at a time, He will do in you, with you, and through you what He wants done. It'll work itself out. It'll just happen. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. He says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Well, how do you know you're coming out from the thing you shouldn't be around? You're going to something. You get the point? The point is not always focusing on everything around you that's wrong. You know what I've found? I've found this in my life, and then I want to show you about three or four more verses, and we'll be done for tonight. I want to show you some verses about the gospel. So what I've found in my life is this. I don't have to push people away from me. The wrong kind of people. I don't want to become one of those preachers who's always behind a desk 24-7, like a pencil jockey, you know, that's all I do. And I just get out of touch with the real world and aren't around real people and like hear a swear word and my ears start melting because, I mean, you all hear it all day at work and the rest of that, right? And you're expected to live right in spite of it, Right? You're expected to keep your testimony in spite of what you're around. God's been good to me the entire time I've been full-time in the ministry. God's been good to me. He always put me around people that are roughnecks. 
always. And I don't even have to go after them. They just like, they just like me for whatever reason. It's like always the, the outlaws that like me. You know what I do? I hold my testimony. And I pray. And I don't laugh at their jokes. And I don't follow the conversation when it goes the wrong way. And I pray. And I just wait. And God sets them up. And then I get my opportunity to, once I've built a relationship. See, what I'm not, I'm, what I'm not saying, I, want, I don't want you to hear what the devil wants you to hear. I'm not telling you I hang out with them on Friday nights and they're at the bar and we're drinking and they're over at the house drinking and I'm at their house drinking. You understand that? I'm talking about just casual and just get to normal time. And then, well, I'm a pastor. You're a what? You should see the shock on their face. The last one was just not even a month ago, and he was like, or right around a month ago, he's like, what? No. Dude, it all makes sense now. (laughs) And he turned beet red because he felt uncomfortable every time certain subjects came up, and he wasn't sure about my response and my reaction, but I never drove him away. You know what I find? I find all of a sudden, once they find out and I start witnessing to them and say, I'd love to have you come to church, and I'll guarantee you they look me up. What church is that? They look it up and they listen. Now all of a sudden they don't, they're not as interested in hanging out with me anymore. Do you know what did that? It wasn't me. They liked Mike. It was the gospel. So since I'm willing to always talk about Jesus Christ and always put him first and always be what he'll have me to be, they naturally get away from me. Unless something in them is looking for the truth and then they say, well, what church is that? Can I come? Love to have you, man. You see, do you see how being separated unto God is the right way? Because then you can still reach people. The people that want God will come along and the people that don't will get away from you. It's based on your closeness to the Lord and your obsession with the gospel and being willing to witness to them and let them know you're saved. Let them know you're a Christian. Let them know where you stand. Amen. And that separation, they'll come out from among them. I'll tell you, it'll come out quick. Your buddies won't want to hang out with some of you guys anymore. They will not want that. You were, you're still the same person. It's not you. Don't start feeling like you're a dork and they rejected me. They won't care to be around you anymore because you can't do what they're doing. They're not your real, I'm not, please, don't, don't write me off. They're not your real friends. I'm your real friend because I'd hang around you and try to help you and try to witness to you when you don't like me. They're not your real friends because they want nothing to do with you as soon as you stop supporting their habits. Because you want to straighten up your life. That ain't a real friend. Don't you let the four winds take them. Don't you dare let that keep you from following God and doing what God had you to do with your life. Now, some more verses. He says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made to the seed of David according to the flesh, right? Go to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Lord willing, give me about five more minutes. I'll try to get you out of here by right at, right at eight or right close to it. Look at verse 1, Titus 1.1. 1, 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. See what's first? Way before his calling, way before I am Pastor Reagan. Well, I'm a servant, man. Good to see you. You need to talk. Happy to talk. Can I pray for you? What do you need? A servant and an apostle. According to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth. See that? Which is apt for godliness. 
in hope of eternal life, with which God that cannot lie promised when? Before the world began, God promised eternal life. God created man. He created him to live forever. God didn't want you to sin. God didn't want you to die. Uh, the reason you die is because of sin. The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Right? She ate and lived hundreds of years. He said, the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You know, you are born dead in trespasses and sins. You are spiritually dead without Jesus Christ. When sin entered, something inside of you died, whether you realize it or not. And then your baby since then, every human being on the planet has been born a sinner and born with an expiration date. That's a sad thought. You hold that beautiful little baby and that thing's only got so long to make it. And we hope and pray longer rather than shorter. But I've preached funerals of boxes that were that big. That wasn't God's, that was not God's plan. I don't know why God would do this. God didn't do it. He could have stopped it. Yes, he could have stopped Eve from doing that, but he's never been uh, this ruthless dictator that micromanages people. He lets you make the choice. If you want to split hell wide open, knock yourself out. God won't stop you. But do you understand everything he did to keep you from going there? If you don't understand, you need to understand that. You need to, you need to get a hold of me until you understand that. You need to sit down and look at the verses. Now watch verse 3. So before the world began, God had a plan to save mankind from their sins. Now look at verse 3. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of our God, uh, of God our Savior. You know how God manifests His Word? It says it right there. That is exactly why the devil has worked on the culture to get it to where people will not take preaching when they go to church. I'm just teaching tonight. I'm not even preaching. If this is bad, come back Sunday morning. God chooses preaching to manifest the Word of God, to open it up to you. You walk in here coming from God only knows where and going through God only knows what, and you walk in here and you sit down and we open the Bible and you're like, man, it's like that guy's following me around all week. How did he know what I was thinking? How did he know where I come from? How did he know what we were going through? Well, that's God manifesting the truth to you. It'll happen over and over and over and over and over and over. The data will pile up if you stay in a Bible-believing church and sit under Bible preaching. The data will pile up until you realize, man, this isn't even faith. This is so clear. This is fact. God's talking to me. That's how God manifests His Word. Do you know when He did it? He did it in due time. Uh, look at a couple more verses. Go, uh, go back to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter two. Verse seven. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. You see that? Before the world, God ordained a plan. God had it all worked out before it even kicked off. Because God's God. He was, is, and is to come. God's in the past, God's in the present, and God's in the future. You can't wrap your mind around it. It's just a fact according to the Bible. He's God. He changes not. If I make thy bed in hell, thou art there. You, he's omnipresent. 
So God's all the way back in eternity past right now. He's in the present right now, and he's out in eternity future right now. That's how he writes the Bible, and he writes it looking back when the book of Revelation. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? Do you realize if you got up out of outer space and through, through the universe up to the top of outer space, at some point you snap out of time? You know, scientists are playing around with stuff like that now. I don't know if you know that or not, but they're trying to study how this stuff works. God's not in time. He's in eternity. So he saw the problem before it began, and he fixed it before it began, and he played it out a specific way on purpose to teach us something. In the Old Testament, they did not understand what they were doing when they were sacrificing that lamb. They were not saying, oh, Jesus is going to come and die on the cross. They were just doing what they were told to do, and if they did what they were told to do, then they would go to Abraham's bosom, not heaven. Nobody taught you that stuff? I mean, if nobody's taught you that stuff, you got the wrong pastor. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but you need to know that stuff. Because this Bible makes all the sense in the world. You can get your faith in it. And you can build your life on it when you understand that book. It's an amazing book you got in your lap. So God manifested it in due time. It was a mystery. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they'd have known what they were doing, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ. The demons didn't even know. The, the, the devil knows the Bible better than you do. He quoted it to Jesus when he was trying to make him fail. He used Bible on him. He still uses Bible on people. Born of the seed of David. This one's easier to understand. That King James Bible is so archaic. We've got to clean it up for you. I showed you something on Wednesday night. On Sunday night, I'm, I'm going to keep trying to show you. I really want every one of you to know why we believe the King James Bible, the Word of God, so you can have your faith in God and His book and not in a man. It's a miraculous thing you're holding. But go to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Look at verse 20, 22. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But, when, but after that faith has come, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. You know what the law did? The law is a schoolmaster to tell you you're a sinner, 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 you're a sinner. Every system God set up in the Old Testament failed. It ended every time in failure, every single time. So then Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and what does he do? It, this is all concealed in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ comes on the scene and he lives the perfect life because nobody could do it. He goes all the way through his life, never one time sinning. He always went about doing good. He always did those things that pleased the Father 100% of the time. Could you imagine that? As a baby, when Jesus cried, his diaper was dirty. His stomach was bothering him. He never one time as a baby manipulated his mother in a lie. The Bible tells you that we come forth from the womb speaking lies, doesn't it? Yeah. doesn't mean you spank an infant. They don't know what they're doing. Don't be stupid. I do know some people that well, the Bible says they come forth from the womb and they lie. I'm going to spank them. Like, you're a moron, man. I mean, good night. But it's still a fact. They come forth from the womb speaking lies. Not Jesus. He fulfills that law all the way to the end and he gets to the cross. Now the wages of sin is what? So if a person was born and never sinned one time, they'd never die, right? right. 
What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. How'd that happen? Your sin. Your sin killed him. The sin of the whole world, but when it comes to you and God, it was your sin. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The sun shuts off because he created it. The earth shakes because he created it. And God turns his back on his son. That was God's plan from before the foundation of the world. He knew you and I couldn't do it, so he sent Jesus Christ to do it for us. All this stuff is concealed in the Old Testament. The New Testament reveals it. So you say, oh, you follow Paul, and he got a mystery revealed to him, which we'll get into more next week. I've got to stop. But you revealed to him, oh, wait a second, now stop. Paul told you in the second verse there, which aforetime was in the Scriptures, was prophesied in the Scriptures. Paul takes everything he teaches and shows you the Old Testament to prove what he's teaching is the truth and that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. And now looking back, you can see that lamb was a type of Jesus Christ and the countless, the hundreds of types of Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament. It makes so much sense, it'd blow your mind. And not only that, but Paul wasn't the only one like you got when you go to, to Islam. You got Muhammad and you got to trust what he saw in his trips, literally. Madness and multiple wives, the youngest being eight. He was a pedophile. They don't tell you that. They don't tell you that he murdered his cousin to take his wife. That's why some of them wear black. A lot of them down in Detroit wear black. You know why they wear jet black? Because they're protesting the fact that Muhammad did that. They still follow their prophet. They still follow him. But they say, we don't think he should have done that. And so we're going to wear this black in protestation of the fact that he killed his cousin to take her wife. <laughs> we're following one who fulfilled the law who laid down his life for everybody else, who went about doing good. That's all this lies you get on television, all that stuff. You ain't find any of that stuff in the Bible, and Mary Magdalene junk and all that. That's a bunch of perverted, wicked, demon-possessed people trying to throw mud at Jesus Christ, and they'll answer for it, I'll tell you that much. He never one time did anything wrong. And then takes your sin on himself, and part of the gospel I was going to show you, but I don't have time, he takes it down. Three days and three nights is part of the gospel. That's why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because on the third day he arises, he took your sin in hell and put it there. Every, everything is done and complete in Jesus Christ. That's why you need Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, man, they didn't get it. They didn't see all that. Paul says, look at Romans 1 and we're done. Look at Romans 1. Paul said, all this stuff that I'm going to tell you, verse 2, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying, open up your Old Testament and check me out. Look at what I'm teaching. Confirmed and cross-examined by Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And he's saying, what I teach you, when I teach you something, this is what he's telling you, when I teach you something, I'll show you, chapter and verse, I'll show you, I'll answer your questions. Why? Because he's teaching them the truth. And truth ain't intimidated by error. So he opens up the Bible and he turns verse to verse and book to book and chapter to chapter, proving those things that he teaches. And that's how you know you got the truth. That's why you need to be in a Bible-believing church where the pastor gives you Bible and is not afraid to answer questions and will run those references with you. So that stuff was promised in the Old Testament. 
concerning Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. You don't have that spirit. He is that spirit. And the reason he was able to rise from the dead is because he was perfect. He brought himself out of the grave. Can you do that? But he can. You saved? And you got everything you need, man. Just draw closer to him and take your time getting to know him, growing him. He won't lead you wrong. All right, we'll stop here for tonight. Father, we love you.